Good morning, Crossroads. My name is Dustin, and I'm the pastor to students. And it's a great morning to be together today. We're so excited because today is a special day. Today, we are launching our You Are Loved 2020 campaign. And we know we are in the middle of the campaigning season. And there's all sorts of noise and commercials and ads about who to vote for. And all sorts of people are doing their own campaigns. And so at Crossroads, we want to do our own campaign called You Are Loved. 2020. And if you've been around Crossroads, you've heard us talking about You Are Love. Perhaps you've seen our t-shirts or even worn our masks. You know it is a part of who we are. And this is a message that we, it's a part of our DNA. And if you are in this room or you are a part of Crossroads or if you are watching this anywhere, we want you to know this, that you are loved by a good God. He loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. You are loved. That is our mission. That is our mantra. But we don't want it just to be something we say or a slogan that we put on t-shirts. We want it to be a part of who we are. We want it to help change the way we act. And so for this campaign, we've decided it's going to be a real campaign. We aren't doing anything halfway. We are going all in for You Are Love 2020. And so we've been putting out yard signs. I know many of you have been putting yard signs in your front yard. We've been making phone calls and we've been blasting social media and we are taking this campaign seriously. In fact, this week, our staff uh, went around uh, and we were able to walk through neighborhoods uh, with these beautiful door hangers. And we were knocking on hundreds of doors this week and people were freaked out by it because nobody likes when strangers come to the door. But it was an amazing few moments as we got to talk to some people and we knocked on their door and we said, we don't want anything from you. We just want you to know that you are loved. And if you're ever looking for a family, you can come to a place like Crossroads and find a home. And it was amazing as we stepped out of our comfort zones and went door to door, how God went ahead of us. And God was in those moments. And man, there were some, uh, some crazy moments where we got to pray for people and even with people uh, in these moments because we are serious and we are committed to this message. You are loved. And we don't want it just to become something you say either. We want it to become part of your life. And so for this campaign, we are, we are inviting you to join us, to dive in, to grab a door hanger on the way out today. And we invite you to jump into our campaign, to make this slogan, to make these words into action and to turn it into real life. Because we are convinced that more important than any campaign, any election, any sort of political thing going on, our world is in desperate need of this message that God has given us. And we believe God is calling you to join us in this mission. Join us in our You Are Loved campaign. Because here's the truth that we believe, that God loves you and there is nothing you can do about it. You know, this is a message everybody seems to like. You know, people were freaked out by us at first, but once people found out why we were coming to their doors, most people were nice about it because people like to hear it. They like the message, you are loved. And I think many people even understand it. Uh, people understand that there is a God who loves them. But you know, the reality is I, I think there are so many barriers for us to, to live in it because I look around and I don't see tons of people uh, living a life of love. And I see so many people who are struggling to love, and I even see people who appear to be filled with the opposite of love. And it's hard for us to, I think, live this message. 
and to live in this love. And there are so many barriers that come up that keep us from living this kind of life. And so for this series, we're going to dive into some of those barriers that keep us from experiencing God's best, that keep us from experiencing God's love. And today we start just knowing that God loves you and there's nothing that you can do about it. But there are some times we put things or things are put in our life that makes us doubt the message. And the reality is this, all of us have pain in our past and we have scars. I want to take you back to a beautiful moment in time. I was in college. I was a college senior at Mount Vernon Nazarene University, and I was playing intramural basketball, uh, and I was, uh, I was playing in the game, and we were winning. It was the first quarter. I think I had all of our, our team's points, and I had a breakaway, and I was on a layup, and I was about to, to make my layup, and I made a terrible error. I decided, even though I had a free lane to the basket, I decided to pass which was a bad decision. And so I turned as I was jumping and right as I turned to pass the ball, my knee just popped and I felt something break inside my knee and I fell to the ground and I was screaming and I was just in pain. And I remember just rolling around on the ground, wondering who kicked me. And I realized in that moment that I'd done serious damage to my right knee and later would find out that I tore my ACL and I had to have surgery. And this thing swelled up and it had all sorts of weird shapes and bruises and surgery hurt. It was the most pain I've been in and it just, it just was hard and it hurt because uh, pain is, is real sometimes and it just happens and we all have scars. And I have a scar right here where the surgery happened and, it's, uh, and it reminds me of the pain of the knee surgery. You know, it's funny, the first thing uh, I thought of as I was down wasn't about uh, surgery or anything like that. All I th- could think of as I was down and realizing I had a serious injury was all of the things I was going to miss out on. I knew I was going to miss the rest of the game and then the rest of the season, which I wanted to play and potentially more. I had planned a spring break trip in the next couple of weeks and I knew I was going to miss out on that. And my pain meant that I would miss out on things in life. And I think pain often keeps us from experiencing life the way we want to experience it. And we're going to fast forward to just a couple of years ago. I was playing basketball again. I had been completely healed from my first scar and I was playing uh, around here and I was again driving to the lane and our good friend Ryan Stroop was in the corner and he was waving his little hands up like this and he wanted me to pass the ball. But I thought, I'm not passing the ball to Ryan because he's a chucker. All right, and chuckers just shoot. He's never seen a shot he doesn't like, and he just shoots all the time. And I learned my lesson from the first time. I'm not passing the ball. So I decide instead to go up and hit a layup. And again, as I was going up, I felt my left knee this time just pop, and it just exploded. And I had a giant, and I knew right at the moment, I knew I did something serious. I knew I probably tore my ACL. And I laid on the ground, and it got swollen, and it hurt so bad, and I had to drive home. Well, Ryan drove me home, and I just was in pain. And all the time I could think of all the things I was going to miss, all of the things. I had, I had camps coming up, and I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to do anything, because our pain, it's real. And when we experience pain, any sort of pain, it can become debilitating. It can keep us from living the life we want to live, and it becomes a giant barrier that keeps us from experiencing things. And if you've been around, if you've lived long enough, you have had some kind of pain. Maybe physical pain, uh, maybe uh, emotional pain, or marital pain, or financial pain. We've all experienced pain. And the reality is this, pain is real. And maybe some of you this morning come in here, or you're watching online, and just pain is your reality right now. 
Maybe you've been dealing with physical pain and, and struggling with some things or, or you have some, some relationships that are just struggling and you're in emotional pain. The reality is this, pain is real. And, and, and when we experience pain, it keeps us from, from living a life we want to live. And I want you just to hear this before we even get started this morning, that in the midst of your pain, I want you to know that you are loved by a good God. Because pain tends to tell us things that we tend to believe that are opposite of what God wants for us. And so today we're going to dive into our scars and our pain and how it often becomes a barrier from us experiencing the love of God. And we're going to do that by following two characters, one of the main characters from the Old Testament and one of the main characters from the New Testament. And we're going to look at their experience of pain because we find that scripture does not gloss over pain. It doesn't try to paint a super pretty picture. It's real about its pain, sometimes way too real about how messed up we are and about how much pain we experience. And so we're gonna dive into scripture and we're gonna live in their pain and I believe God is gonna share his love with us as we do it. And the first character is Moses. We find Moses in the book of Exodus. Uh, and here, let's dive into his pain in Exodus chapter one. It says this, then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. And so Moses is not even born yet. He's not even alive. He doesn't even have a name, but because he is from a people that the person in charge doesn't like, they've decided that he isn't worth living. The most powerful man in the world at the time looks at a, at a, at a family like Moses' family and says, we don't want you to have kids because it represents a threat to us. And so we think Moses should die. Moses was despised. He was rejected. He was hated before anybody knew who he was. And listen, I understand if you've been around, you've experienced rejection before too. You have had people say that you are unwanted or unworthy or unloved and you felt it and you felt somebody rejects you. And you know, when you feel rejection, when you feel hatred, when you feel despised, the pain can cut deep and those scars are real. And Moses, before he was even aware of what's happening in his life, carried this deep scar of rejection. Story keeps going a couple of verses later, and it says this, about this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. And so Moses now, his parents are at a, at a tough spot and they can't hide him anymore. And he's just a baby, not even aware of what's happening. And he is deserted. He is put in a basket. It's an interesting parenting strategy. I know they didn't know what else to do, but they're trying to get his baby to survive. And so they put him alone in a basket in a very scary river. He's deserted. And I think Moses, even before he understands, he experiences it, experiences one of the, the worst feelings in life of being abandoned. He is alone. He is deserted. And many of us, if we have felt that pain, if you've felt alone, you know how deep of a scar, how deep of a wound being alone can be. In fact, I think one of our biggest fears in life is to be alone and we make terrible choices just so we don't end up alone. And so many of us feel this pain of being deserted and Moses was deserted. 
And finally, here we see this. It says, the baby sister stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. And here God had intervened a way for Moses to become safe and he's no longer in danger of death, but now he's being raised in a place that is not his own. He's being raised by people who are not his parents. He's being taught to to worship different gods than he is supposed to worship. He's being raised as a foreigner. And even though he, he gets to being raised in the lap of luxury, and I'm sure he never has to wonder where his food's coming from, by the time he's an adolescent, by the time he grows up into a young man, you can see he struggles with his identity because his own people resent him because he gets to be raised in luxury, but the people he's being raised by resent him because he's an outsider and he's a foreigner and they don't like how he's being raised in luxury. And so he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't have a people. He's displaced. He doesn't have a community, a place to belong. And guys, if you've ever been there, you know how tragic it can be when you feel like you don't have anybody who understands you. You don't have a people to call your own. That's why it's so important to invite people to church to join a community, a place to belong. Because when we feel displaced, when we feel out of place, it's a wound that can cut deeply. And here's the reality about Moses' life. And what we learn is this, pain is inevitable. And some of us experience pain even from a young age and these scars, they last and they change us and they change the way we act and they change the way we experience love in the world around us. And so Moses, he, he was living and he was struggling with his pain and as a young man, he made some poor decisions. And because of his poor decisions, his pain got worse and, and he had been raised as God's man He was the person God had been looking to to lead his people out of slavery. He'd been put in a unique position that no one else had been to show the love of God and bring people to freedom. But instead of living into that, his pain caused him to run. And for 40 years, Moses runs into the wilderness because he thinks it's the best thing to do. Because the pain was so great, he said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what you want from me, God. I'm just going to run away because it seems like it's better if I just start over, if I just run away. And I think many of us respond to, to pain in the same way Moses did. And we run and we run from God and we wonder why God would let us experience such pain. And we come to the conclusion that God must not love us because if he did, he wouldn't let me suffer this way. And so Moses and many of us ran away from his calling and ran away from God's love and hoped it wouldn't catch up with him one day. Pain is inevitable. And the reality is this, we can't choose when pain comes. Sometimes pain happens because of our own choices. And this part of the case in Moses' case, sometimes we make poor decisions and that results in our own pain. Sometimes it's the decision of others that results in our own pain. And some of you carry wounds of other people and they are so deep and they're so real. And sometimes pain just seems to happen at random and it happens on a basketball court and your knee breaks and you're not able to do what you want. And pain is inevitable. The reality is though our response to pain is not inevitable. We have to choose how to respond. And no matter what pain you are in today, no matter how deep or how big your scars are, we have a chance to respond to pain in our life. 
And our response to pain matters. And this is what's going to introduce us to our second character, uh, one of the main characters of the New Testament. His name is Paul. And Paul is going to teach us a fact. I just want to get out there right away. Is this, our scars do not have to determine our future. Paul is a man of many scars, just like Moses. And I'm grateful. We're going to dive into the story of Moses the next couple of weeks. But the story of Moses does not end in him running away because our future is not determined by our past scars. And so if you're here today and you're thinking your past mistakes mean you are somehow exempt from God's love, I want you to lean in because that's just not true. That's just not what the Bible says. That's just not what God's about because our scars do not have to determine our future. But yet many of us are frozen because we think our pain is all we can know. And Paul, he understands pain. I mean, he was raised to be a devout Jew, to stand against anybody who would oppose the truth. And anytime anybody did, he would oppose them and oppose them strongly. He was a very strong Jew, and he made his family proud. He was from a sect that was just super devout. And Paul even killed people to preserve the truth from what he thought. Then he had a a random, not a random, but he had an encounter, a beautiful encounter with Jesus that changed his life. And so as he became a new person, a new man in Christ, he had to face the pain of his past. He had to realize that there was a time where he was killing the people he now calls family. He also knew emotional pain because in order to become a Christian, he would have had to turn from the family that raised him. So he would have felt rejected and he would have felt shut out by the family that raised him. He knew emotional pain. And if you've read through the New Testament, you know this guy understood physical pain. He was imprisoned. He was bitten by a poisonous snake. He was shipwrecked. He was put in jail multiple times. He was beaten with an inch of his life. He understands physical pain and all sorts of other pains. As he grew in church, he was rejected by other church people and he was made fun of and rumors were spread about him. I mean, this guy understands pain. And so we're going to look to him in the book of Romans and what he teaches us about how we can respond to pain because our response matters. And let's look at what he says in Romans chapter 5. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts, to fill our hearts with his love. So here's the deal. When pain comes, this is what Paul teaches. When pain comes, one, we can keep moving forward. I think the first mistake we all make is to throw our hands up and to ask God why we are suffering and we want to give up and we want to run away because it seems like the easiest thing to do. But what Paul is saying is, is when you can just keep moving forward, and when, even when you're not sure where the strength comes from, keep moving forward one step at a time. God will show up in the midst of your pain. Keep 
moving forward. And this guy knows what he's talking about. There was a time in Paul's life, he showed up in a city to preach and tell people about Jesus and tell people his story. And at first the crowd of the city was with him, but then a bunch of really, really powerful Jews and Jewish leaders, religious leaders came to town and they turned the crowd on Paul. And instead of shouting for him, they picked up these giant rocks and they chucked it at his face and he was stoned and they thought he was dead. He was bleeding from his head and he had bruises all over his body and they grabbed him by his ankle and they pulled him out of the city and his enemies scattered around him and they kicked him while he was on the ground and probably spat at him. And they left thinking he was dead. The Bible says that the, 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 his friends gathered around him. They're just looking at Paul. They're probably poking at him with a stick, wondering if he's still alive, thinking he was dead. And the Bible says this. It says, he got up and he went back into the city. Now, what kind of crazy person would not take that as a hint to leave, to move on, to keep going? But instead, Paul understands this and he wants us to understand this. To experience God's love, we have to keep moving forward, no matter how much pain you're experiencing, no matter how big your scars are, keep pressing forward to Jesus. Because he, Paul said this too. He said, when you keep moving forward, you can develop strength of character. I love this. It doesn't say strength it just happens. It doesn't, it's not something you just think. It doesn't manifest on its own. It happens when you, when you have endurance, when you persevere, you can ha- develop you can have this produced in you, this strength of character. And it's funny because pain to me feels like weakness. Even now I feel a weakness in my knees because of the scars and the pain I've experienced. But the reality is this, if you want to be strong at anything, you have to go through pain. If you want to get strong, you have to go through the pain of working out. If you want to have a strong marriage, you have to go through the pain of having difficult conversations and making difficult sacrifices out of love for your spouse. If you want to be strong financially, you have to go through the pain of sticking to a budget and not eating out all the time or, or, or spending less and saving more. You have to go through pain. If you want to get strong at anything, it requires pain. And so many of us feel weakness and pain and we're on the precipice of stepping into new strength because it says strength of character. Our faith is built when we experience pain. And so friends, if you're experiencing pain this morning, lean into what God is doing. Because I believe that pain is the path to strength and you are on the path and don't give up. The next thing it says this. It says we can become hope. See, hope is one of those words we say, and I think it, we, we misunderstand it a lot because I say things like, I hope the Detroit Lions win today. Or like, I realize it's not going to happen, but I still hope it happens. And I say things like, I hope somebody buys me lunch today because I love a free lunch. That might happen. Who knows? Maybe one of you can buy me free lunch later. But we say those things. What we really mean by hope is we want I want the Lions to win. I want one of you to buy me a free lunch. But hope is something that is much deeper Hope is able to look at a hard circumstance, a hard present, and realize that the future is written by a God who loves us. And hope is able to say, I don't know what my circumstance looks like. I know it's hard, but I can trust that God loves me enough so I know his future for me is better than my present, and so I hope. And when you become a hope, you are a person who can change things. Both Paul and Moses, in the midst of their pain, became hope. And they were able to lead other people to trust in the God of hope, to trust in Jesus. And they led thousands of people to freedom because they became hope, because they were able to become strong in their faith, because they didn't 
give up. And finally, it says this, we can be filled with love. The reality is this, that the Spirit of Jesus wants to fill you with his love. And love is not just a saying. Love has the power to transform lives, and it wants to fill all of the cracks, all of the pain. It wants to overcome all of the scars that you experience, because that's what love does. Love will fill every single place in your heart. You let it happen. And it will transform you to become a new person in the midst of pain, in the middle of pain. And perhaps love is at its finest in the midst of your own pain. You can be filled with love and it can transform your life. And that love is in the person and the spirit of Jesus. I'm going to fast forward a couple chapters because Paul, uh, he, he's writing in Romans chapter 8. And this is what he says about that love. He says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer str- loves us if we have trouble or calamity or pain or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You are loved and there's nothing you can do about it. He keeps going. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us. No pain, nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, our fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation, no election, no chaos, nothing in 2020 will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, if you find Jesus, you find love. And in love, there is healing for all your pain and there is hope for tomorrow because you are loved and there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. So here's my last question for you today to ponder. Uh, and I want you to just to, to take a second. We, we hardly get moments where we take seriously, where we can reflect and respond uh, to the will of Jesus. And so my question is this, what scars in my life do I need to surrender to God? Because our pain is debilitating And our response to it matters. And so many times we let our pain become barriers to experiencing what God has for us. And here in this moment, I invite you to surrender that pain and be filled with the love of Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving us, for letting your love live in us. Help us to surrender our scars to you this morning. In your name we pray, amen.